Everybody, welcome to a special Thursday edition of the Feli Sports Podcast. That's the Forever I Love Atlanta Sports mm -hmm. Podcast. Hometown guys talking hometown sports. Um, coming to you with a special show. Y'all know why. We're going to jump right into it. It's your boy, Coach Mario, with my co-host, Don. What's going on? What's good, y'all? How y'all doing this evening? Um, I know y'all excited about the schedule that just came out. And not only that, you know, um, we're like what, a week away from the draft. So um, it's pretty yeah. much going to be our last time talking about the um, the draft until the draft is yeah, the draft. Here this Thursday. So we're not going to talk about anything else. So this is pretty much our last, I guess, go around the video of talking about who we potentially going to pick. And, you know, I've, I invited some fans to come on, to voice their opinions, to share their opinions. So that way, you know, hey, we can just walk away tonight and just, you know, either agree to disagree or say, hey, hmm, you know, you sound kind of, you know, you sound like you know what you're talking about. Hey, I may, you know, think about or consider this person, you know, whatnot. So that's why we pretty much made the show today. Um, if you're tuning in live, you know, please, you know, hit the subscribe button. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, uh, comment if you are in the live chat, you know, hey, you know, ask if you got some questions to ask, please ask them throughout the show. I'm going to be reading them off and, you know, I'll give you a shout out as well. So, Come holler at your hometown sports, sports podcast. <laughs> All right, man, we're going to go uh, run through the scores real quick so we can get right into it. Um, everybody I'm so, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, man, I'm, I'm tripping. I'm tripping, man. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. We have some special guests in the house tonight. We have uh, four guests, uh, three guests. Um, we always let them introduce us themselves. Uh, Pat, we can start with you, man. Introduce yourself and let them know where they can find you at. What's going on, everybody? Everybody know who I am, The Real Pat, man. Your hometown data guy, man. You can find me at The Real Pat, man, on Twitter, man. Yeah, what's going on, man? It's your man, Gary. People know know me as G-Simp, though, for the most part. Um, you can find me on Instagram, or not Instagram, but uh, on Twitter, at uh, HellGaryATL. So, I've been a Falcon fan for years, man, all my life, man. So, here to talk about them birds. So, and last but not least, Brandon, we can't hear you. ATL, rise up, baby. You go, you get, uh, I'm only on Twitter, man, at Pigskin Junkie, J U N K I E 91, Pigskin Junkie. Get at me. All right. And uh, I want to say hello to people in the chat. Um, Skills, how you doing, Skills? And uh, oh, Pat, man, you are, come on now. <laughs> you already, you already. <laughs> <laughs> what's good? What's good? Skills? Do you have any questions? Do you have any questions throughout the show, man? You know, please, um, you know, um, feel free to ask them. You know, I'm going to go read out what's PG, man. So if anything <laughs> is written above that, man, you know, I'm going to have to. Eh, I answer it when we get in the Discord afterwards. 
I'm not so PG. Nah, just tripping. All right, uh, running through the uh, scores real quick so we can jump into it. The uh, Atlanta United, they haven't played since we talked to you last. They are playing um, their home on Saturday afternoon game. I think it's about 4 p.m. So if you're not doing anything on your 420, head down there uh, and check out the uh, Atlanta United. Um, uh, Don, I know you want to do the Falcons, so I'll run through the Braves and I'll let you do the Falcons if that's cool. You sure about that? Oh, okay. You want to do the uh, Braves? You can go, go ahead. ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead and do it, man. Go ahead and take uh, care. I know you love to do the Falcons. <laughs> the Braves, uh, 7-3 versus the Mets um, on Thursday. We talked to you Thursday. That game ended on Thursday. Uh, and then on Monday, I'm sorry, on Monday, we lost to 9-6 uh, to six on the Diamondbacks, gave up three runs in the ninth inning. Um, everybody hollering about a closer. Yeah, we need a closer, but we need setup guys. We need yeah. setup guys to be able to get to the closer. So it's not the closer that's killing us. It's the middle. It's the, the whole bullpen. Let's, 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 let's stop being politically correct, please. It's the whole bullpen. The whole bullpen stinks. We need some pitchers to come in that can pitch at least two or three innings. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's, it's, it hadn't even been the closer. We hadn't got to the closer. Um, we're in action right now, and tomorrow got a special afternoon delight. Yeah, not in, doing anything during the day tomorrow, afternoon ball game. Um, and done. What those Falcons done since we talked last? All right. Well, yesterday we had two signings. We had uh, Chris Odom. He's coming back to the team. Um, can anybody uh, remember him? I think a couple of seasons ago, we had him on uh, on the pre not the practice squad, but we had him in preseason, and they released him, and he played well with us. Um, and then we he so we signed him to a two year deal, and we also signed um, John Wentz Wentzel offensive tackle. So Pat, you have any questions on that? Any Gary or uh, Bernie? I have any questions on those signers? No, not, not really any questions. No, got my opinions about it. But <laughs> go ahead, share some count, buddy. Say it again. Ain't got nothing. Got nothing more to add, Yeah, gotta mm -hmm. have some count, buddies anyway, though. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, typical. I mean, it's just. Like I say, man, uh, at least with Chris Oldham, man, it's a guy that's been with the organization before, so there's familiarity there. Um, but, I mean, what Quinn is doing is pretty much um, – he's pretty much doing the opposite of what they, what they did last year. Last year they really kind of punted and leaned heavily on the draft, and when things didn't shake up, they were forced to sign a lot of, you know, uh, guys after the draft, man. That's the reason why they brought in McLean at the last minute. Derek Shelby, they cut him and then brought him back, man. That's generally an indicator of a team that, you know, you didn't pretty much – things didn't go the way you planned. So they're getting a jump on that this year, getting those bodies in now. And then after the draft, that's when they can start sorting out and then towards camp and whatnot. Well, I don't think that they, um, last year they were actually looking for a three-technique in the draft, considering that they were looking ahead to this draft. So I think that's why you saw them sign – McLean to a one-year deal because I think that they were looking ahead and saw how strong this draft was in the interior defensive line and said, we'll just address that need next year. Yeah, because we wanted we wanted Vita Vea. I remember that. We wanted Vita Vea, but he went to Tampa Bay. And Taven Bryan was there, but I really think they just really didn't have that much interest in him. So that's why we pretty much drafted Calvin Ridley. 
Yeah, I mean, Bryant, Taven Bryant was a he a very raw prospect anyway, so he wasn't a guy that you were going to be expecting to get a lot of a lot out of in year one. And uh, you know, one thing we've noticed out of Quinn is generally his first two picks. Um, generally, those guys are they come in and they're able to immediately. You know, he do he really doesn't swing for a lot of project guys in the first and second round. Yeah. All right. All right. So let's go get to some other news. Um, voluntary workouts. Um, pretty much OTAs. They started yesterday. So a lot of players they came back. Um, I guess to the um to the headquarters and started working out. Um, a couple of players pretty much been outspoken. Um, since they came back, Hooper. He pretty much spoke highly on, on tight end, the new tight ends coach, Mike Malarkey, pretty much saying that um, the tight end is pretty much going to be uh, running better routes. And Matt Ryan's going to pretty much know where to throw the ball at. And pretty much the tight ends and between the receivers, they better know where they, they – they better run their right, they routes clipped uh, rare with Chris because that's the offense we're going to run again. I remember we ran that when Carter was here in 2012. And uh, Campbell, he stated that there's a big difference in the um, defensive uh, meetings now since uh, OTA started. He also saw that more questions are being asked than now during the meetings. And I got these sources from um, Vaughn McClure, you know, one of the beat writers for ESPN. So. Man, that's, uh, that's very telling, man. Like, when I saw that, it kind of really upset me, man, because, you know, if a lot of people don't understand this scheme, man, and how Dan Quinn wants his defense to run. Dan Quinn wants his defense to be simple, stupid, see ball, get ball. It's supposed to be the easiest scheme that you could possibly operate in terms of a defense. That's why he's able to just – put so many athletes in the scheme and they're supposed to be able to perform at a high level because there's not a lot of thinking involved in the scheme. And when you see stuff like that, that kind of tells you that in the meeting rooms, whether I don't know if there was playing, I don't know if uh, Marco Emanuel, if he assumed that his guys knew their assignments, if the preparation was, wasn't there, but that's, you know, that's, that's when I play football, like that's kind of disturbing to me. You know what I'm saying? Especially when you have so many athletes, guys that don't really make their living and money using instincts. We don't have a ton of instinct guys on the defense. So you have to take that much more time with those guys to ensure that everybody knows what's going on. And you saw it all year long. And I was actually talking with Mad Mike from Mad Mike Sports about this earlier. Um, you know, one of the things that was really concerning was we've never seen – Dan Quinn, well, at least the defense since Dan Quinn be here, adjust itself to the opponent. They always seem to just play their game. And it's like I told him, once this team lost Keanu Neal, once they lost Deion Jones for all but six games, and once they lost Ricardo Allen, there was no way that they were going to be able to maintain playing that same cover three scheme without those guys in the middle because it just didn't work. And as we saw, it just didn't work. So there was no adjustments there. There was nothing planned to try to help cover a guy's weaknesses, deficiencies. Um, 
you know, we just lined up and pretty much played our game, man. We didn't double team or try to take away what an, what an opponent likes to do, which you see a lot of really good defenses do. Uh, we didn't see none of that stuff, man. So hopefully that changes now that Dan Quinn is back running the show. Yeah. I really think up with uh, Dan Quinn, when we had Mark on May, I really think he just put too much trust in those guys, in Manuel, in Sark, and you know, now he knew that that failed. He having uh he have his own hand to be something good. I don't I'm not gonna get my expectations high, but I know we're gonna do way better than what we did last year. So well, I think that's just that's the ghost without saying, because when you lose Keanu Neal, when you lose Deion Jones and you lose Grady Jarrett, I think those that's the middle of your defense right there. Exactly. Those are the those are the three guys where those specifically can wreck a game plan for an offense. There's really nobody outside of those three on the Falcons defense that can really do that. So when they lost those three, it was just there was really no way for them to really be able to be competitive enough to where they're going to be a competitive playoff team and compete for a championship. And um, I feel like it speaks really volumes in regards to the overall talent of the team that they even did as good as they did. So, yeah, well, bad, I ain't going to say bad coaching, just the lack of, I, I use that term, the lack of coaching plus the lack of depth equals what we had last year. Well, situational football, so that's really where they, they hurt themselves. And, you know, Dan Quinn has acknowledged that much where, you know, it was certain situations where even his decision-making cost the team. So I think that's where they need to improve in, in regards to the coaching staff. I think that um, going back to the Hooper point, I think that having Dirk Cutter back into the fold is really going to emphasize utilizing the tight end more. And I think that's something that Matt Ryan needs. You see, like even when we had Tony Gonzalez, that that's when he really excelled, particularly in the red zone. Um, just utilizing that tight end that can catch those passes over the middle. So um, you see even Jameis Winston in Tampa was able to do that when Dirk Carter was there too. So I think having that back in the fold, not so much. It wasn't as as, as much when, the, when we had uh, Shanahan, but um, just having Dirk Carter back, I think that's why you, Cooper is a lot more excited in this go-around, so we can potentially see a really big season from him this year. Yeah. Yeah. We've been talking, um, you know, we, Pat, uh, Lieutenant Dan, check out Lieutenant Dan from uh, Unintentional Grounding. Also, we also shout out uh, Matt Mike Sports. We all been talking about, you know, under this new offense, you know, Cooper's going to see a lot, a ton of targets. Mm-hmm. You know, it's some game. It all depends on who we play. Like, if we play a team that um, – that doesn't have any good linebackers or any help up the middle, Hooper's going to have a big game. Uh-huh. He's going to have a lot of targets. So, all right. So, anybody else want to uh, talk about this topic before we move on to something else? No, I'm good. I want to get to the, the schedule and the draft. All right. So, today, well, well, an hour and hour and a half ago, uh, the Falcons have released their 2019 schedule. All right, this is how it goes: Week one, 
We're going to be in Minneapolis playing the Vikings at 1 p.m. That game is September 8th. Week two, we're going to be back home playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Finally, we play them at home. And that's going to be a primetime game that's going to be played um, on September 15th. Week three, we got to go to Indianapolis and play the Colts at 1 p.m. on September 22nd. Week four, we come back home and we play the Tennessee Titans. And that game is also at 1 o'clock, and that game is September 29th. The week after that, we play week five. We play Houston in Houston. We play the Texans. I know a lot of people um, is, um, I guess, excited to see that game. There's a lot of people saying that they're going to travel to that game uh, just to see Deshaun Watson. That's September, October 6th. And then we have another road game. Uh, we got to go out to Arizona and play the Cardinals um, on the October 13th at 4.05. And then we come back home finally on uh, October 20th and we play the uh, NFC uh, champions, the Los Angeles Rams, at 1 o'clock. And then we also have another home game we got to that on uh, October 27th and we play the Seahawks at 1 o'clock. And we have a bye week after that game and we get back from that game, we're going to be playing the New, Orleans, the New Orleans Saints on November 10th in New Orleans. And week 11, we got to go out to Carolina and play the Panthers at 1 o'clock. That game is November 17th. And week after that, week 12, we come back home and we play the Buccaneers at one o'clock, and that game is November twenty fourth, and we have a Thanksgiving game this year again. But guess what? It's here in Atlanta. All right, it's here in Atlanta. That's on uh, November twenty eighth, and we played the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> I got a timeout. I don't know if anybody's seen the graphic they put out, the video, <laughs> the stadium. Yeah, uh, uh, the stadiums and stuff, and um, they had a ram. I guess um, when week thirteen came up, the ram had tackled one of. I guess the Saints went. They had a referee out there. You guys got to check that out. You guys, yeah, that, that, was, that was hilarious. That was that was pretty good. <laughs> Whoever did that, man, they need a pay raise. I promise you, they, they, they need to. They really need to start doing that more, man. They need to start trolling the Saints back a lot more, man. I don't know why they don't do it enough, man. Cause it's always good when they do it, man. Yes, and like I'm, I'm glad this, this is this game is played Thanksgiving because this rivalry is is money. I don't care what anybody's saying. I'm not saying this to, as as a biased Falcons fan. I'm just saying this like far as like other rivalries go in the NFL. This is like one of the top rivalries right now. Good old fashioned hate. Yes, exactly. So they need to. They need to. I'm. I know they're not going to do it every Thanksgiving, but if they can make these games prime time, like must-see TV, must-watch must watch games, I promise you, like, because every, every time we play each other, it's pretty much down the wire. So, <clears throat> but moving on, um, after that game, we play, in week 14, we play the Panthers in Atlanta, 
And that game is at 1 p.m. And that game is um, on December 8th. And then we got to fly out to uh, San Francisco. Thank God they're not coming to Atlanta because Kyle Shanahan, he knows he's not welcome in Atlanta anymore. Just saying. Um, we play the 49ers in San Francisco, and that game is going to come on 424 in the, uh, in the afternoon. And that game is on December 15th. Then we come back home. Our last home game for the year is going to be week 16 against the Jaguars. And that game's at 1 p.m. And that game is going to be played December 22nd. And then our last game of the season, we got to fly out to Tampa Bay, play the divisional um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 1 o'clock. And that game is December 29th. So that's our um, that's the, those are our opponents for the 2019 schedule. Um, I'm not going to make I'm not going to make predictions because one we haven't drafted our players yet. Draft is next week, and we haven't went into training camp, and we haven't even did our preseason. So, you want my prediction? You gonna have to wait at least to like week three, week four of the preseason. Yeah, I mean, it's way too early to be doing predictions. Like you said, we haven't drafted this. We still got training camp. There's just too much that can change to be making predictions right yeah. now. I'm I'm not a prediction guy off the schedule as well, but the main thing I like to see in a schedule. Well, it used to be I want to see who had who in our division had to play in the cold in December. Everybody has a dome now, so it doesn't matter anymore. Um, but the other thing I like to see is when the bye week is. That bye week in the middle of the season always is a good omen for teams, man. You look at teams who get that bye week in the midway. Go back and look. We went to the Super Bowl. Where's our bye week? It was like eight, right? Something. I know it was something around in the middle. Teams that get that bye week in the middle. It was. It was week twelve, week thirteen. It was late. It was even later. Okay, teams. And the other thing I look at is rest. I look at the schedule for rest. So you see, we have to go to Arizona and Houston, um, five and six. two away games back-to-back, but you look all the way back um, once we all the way down at the schedule week 15 when we have to go to San Francisco. If you look at that, though, we'll be at home. We'll have Carolina, which is a short trip. We'll be at home for the Bucks, the Saints, the Panthers, and then we'll fly out to San Francisco. So we'll be at home for three and a half weeks because you see that Thursday game. We'll be at home for three and a half weeks even before we have to make that trip. So I just like the way the schedule works out for his rest on the player's body. I think that it works out well for us. And there's a lot of people, I saw a lot of people complaining, like, why are we playing our divisional uh, teams uh, right after each other? It's James for the NFL. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's not just the NFC South. It's other. They they do that to every division. Yeah, they put the divisional games at the backloading on the schedule. I mean, it's something that they started doing several years ago. I mean, it's actually it's it's really smart. It, it it's really smart. It makes the the games later in the season more competitive. You want people to tune in later in the season. Once the holidays come, people have more distractions to go. I mean, I I think it's I think it's pretty genius that NFL not, does that. And not only that, like we've seen it uh, countless of times. But before, like two team, two teams in the division meet up the last game of the season, and that's exactly that divisional. That's a division. Exactly. Game. The, the 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 way they do it, the playoffs start week thirteen, basically, because the division battles start, and then you're battling for the playoffs. So it's almost like pretty much the playoffs are starting. And it's, I mean, it's really, it's like I said, it's really really smart actually. And on top yeah. of that, and on top of that, like I, you know, once again. We, we have a new coach in the division. We have Bruce Aarons in, in Tampa Bay. 
I don't want to play Tampa Bay early, and I don't want to play them one game early and then play them one game late, late because Tampa Bay they might not find their identity to like middle part of the season. We don't, we're not, you're not going to know who the actual Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to be week one. Right. You probably gonna find them out and like figure them out by like week six or week eight. That's a guess. good point. That's yeah, it is. You right about that. Okay. Yeah, one thing that I, I stands out to me though is well, there's a few things that I look at. One, like I agree with my man here. I definitely look at where the bye week is. Um, I feel you on the whole later in the season playing the division rivals thing, but five weeks in a row seems excessive. Like, do we really expect the Falcons to win five weeks in a row? Like, I, I just don't – I particularly don't prefer playing five divisional opponents in back-to-back weeks. That's a little concerning to me. Uh, one thing's a little concerning, too, is that the fact that we make uh, two West Coast road trips. So, earlier in the season, we uh, we go to Arizona. Then later on in the season, we, we make another road trip to San Francisco. So, having to go to the West Coast twice in one season is a little concerning for me. Um I like the fact that we don't play anyone coming off their bye week other than New Orleans, and it is after our bye week as well. Yeah, Thursday. So, yeah, yeah. So I like I like that. Um, I hate that we only have two prime time games. I think that particularly when we play at home, we tend to win those games. So the fact that both of our prime time games are at home, I like that. But only having two of them is a little. Well, that's what happens when you, when you, when you uh, end with a losing record the previous season. You're not going to get any Yeah, time. but the yeah. Vikings got like five. Like, I ain't trying yeah. to buy that. Like, I feel like yeah. it's about branding more than it is about your necessarily your record. So, I feel like it's it's a it's basically how the NFL looks at us as an organization. Yeah. That's how I feel. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely, like I said, agree with Gary on the – I look at how many West Coast games, but like I say, I see that San Francisco game. At least we have several home games yeah. before then, you know. Yeah, that's a, yeah. But, yeah. I definitely pay attention to that too, Gary. How many times we have to go across the country? Definitely, right? Because, like, like you said yeah. before, like cold weather games, outdoor games are important to notice. But also, like you said, how many like traveling? Is, I don't think fans really realize yeah. the impact traveling can have on a team but, in a sixteen week, sixteen game season. So well, you got to think that's a day of treatment that the players mm-hmm. will miss versus, right. you know, you're at home, you're at the facility on a Friday, you're getting treatment on the ankle versus you taking a four or five hour plane trip trying to prop it up on the seat next to you, you know? Right, right. And and the fact that they don't have three weeks in a row where they're playing on, on the road, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, they don't have more than two weeks where they're playing on the road is, is a good thing. Um, I, I, this is honestly, the schedule is fine. Like if you're a good team, this, I don't think this is a hard or easy schedule. It is what it is. Um, I'm I'm a little irritated that we're on the road week one again against a a, yeah. a conference opponent again. So uh, we'll see how that goes because I feel like we're better than the Vikings. We should be better than the Vikings, but I wouldn't be surprised if we lose that game. So I, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you know, I, I I touched on the fact that earlier, you know, everybody has a dome now. You know, I like it and I don't like it, you know, because it used to be those December games. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on here, Brian Billy said years ago, teams that run the ball well in December. But now it doesn't matter anywhere because you used to have to run the ball in December because of the, the weather. But now everybody has a dome. So that's not as important anymore. I kind of I kind of don't like that. You know, I kind of don't like it. Of course, being the Falcons being a dome team, us being from the south, it benefits us when we have to go up to the northeast. But you know, for football, I kind of, kind of don't like that. It's like not traditional. One thing, y'all didn't ever. I'm, I'm surprised ain't nobody caught this. I was waiting for somebody to catch this. The part of the schedule I'm concerned about 
is week three, four, and five. We play Indianapolis, Tennessee Titans, and Houston. If we know anything about Dan Quinn's history and his team history, we struggle against what? AFC teams. That's what I'm concerned about. I just hope we get better playing against um, AFC teams. Well, the way that I look at the schedule, like especially this early before the, the draft and stuff, I tend to look at – I evaluate the teams based on their coaching and based off their quarterback play. Mm-hmm. So playing the, the, the Titans at home, that doesn't really concern me. That's a game the Falcons should win. You feel me? Well, we said playing, that with the Bengals. We said that about the Bengals last year. Yeah, but I mean, look at the look Don't at the injuries about the we Bills had. To. And the I mean, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly. a, like, right. a, but it's, right. it, is, it assumes that we have a relatively good health status in regards to the team. Like, we were going through some injuries, some key injuries by that time in the season. So, uh, obviously, if we're not, if we have some key starters down in any of these games, it's a concern. But assuming that we're relatively healthy, you know, the Titans really shouldn't be an issue for us at all. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I don't. Like, We'll, we'll just have to see. I just hope we approve because I'm not even just looking at last season. We struggled what in 2017. We also struggled because we only we only won one ALC game these past couple of seasons, and that was against mm. the Jets. Mm. That was against the Jets. And um, 2016, I know we lost against the Chiefs and we lost against the Chargers in that ALC West um, showdown. That we had with them, and then 2015. I'm trying to remember. I know we lost one or two games against that um, AFC South that we playing again this time. So, but yeah, but um, let me say hi to the, in the chat. Some guys in the chat. Zane, um, hold on. B Baller, he's in here. What's he said? What's up, y'all? Rise up, boys. What's good, man? Thank you for joining us. Um, Skill said, "If Kevin wasn't there, we would have to went uh, Taven. The value of Ridley was too much to pass up on. We all agree on that." Um, Zane was good. Zane, he said, "We're going to beat the Saints three times this season, so I'm assuming that we're going to beat the playoffs and the Saints going to make the playoffs." And, um, oh man, playoffs. That don't that don't never need to. Ha- it happened one time before. It never needs to happen again. Like, and, <laughs> yeah, the Travis. The Travis said Minnesota ain't worth watching in the prime time. Yeah, I thought it, <laughs> I thought it too. Um, he also said Troll Game was over nine thousand. I'm pretty sure he's talking about the um, the, I guess the graphic, or the, the schedule graphic. Yeah, yeah, that was on point. And then he said also said Kyle will leave with a bullet in each leg. If I'm pretty sure, I'm assuming <laughs> that he would have came And Juke Juke, he's in the chat. What's good, uh, Juke Juke? He said, "What up?" And um, uh, Travis, he also said we played Philly in week nine before the uh, bye. Let me me ask you guys a question. Just looking at this schedule, how many of these teams on our schedule do you expect to make the playoffs this year? I'm not going to predict, man. The thing thing with the NFL is – some teams that you expect to be good aren't going to be good, and some teams that you weren't looking for are going to pop up. Yeah, I, I think you have to reserve judgment now because if we if we make 
a judge if we make a judgment now something last year will happen like the falcons who would have predicted the falcons to have that many injuries last year who didn't have the falcons in the playoffs last year i mean so with the you know you 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 never can tell but i i you know i do think that we have several playoff teams on here you know i think the Seahawks, Rams, New Orleans, Eagles, Minnesota. I mean, I think all the NFC teams pretty much that we play are playoff, per, you know, contenders pretty much. Except, for, Ari NFC. except for Arizona. Yeah, except, yeah, except for Arizona, yeah. And, 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 and 49ers, you, you can also throw them in that mix. See, that's what I – the way that I look at it is – up, up and up. One of those teams is gonna end up being good though. Watch. We have a we have a lot of friends teams. I think like if the if their mm-hmm. season goes well, they can have a really good year yeah. and make the playoffs. But in regards to real expectations, I only see maybe two or three teams on this schedule that is like you can really pencil them in as playoff teams and really feel comfortable about their chances of making the playoffs. And who who are those two teams for you? Probably the Rams and uh, the Eagles. Okay. And, and, well, in another one of the either between the Colts and the uh, Texans, one of the two. Yeah. Um, so while y'all was talking, man, I was kind of doing a little bit of math, and I'm I'm a data, I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> so home games are going to be very important for this team. The combined record for all of our home opponents from last year was 71 to 57. The combined record for all of our away opponents was 61, 66, and one. The Vikings tied. All right, so if you break that down mathematically, all of our home opponents on average, they averaged about 8.9. You can round it up to nine wins and seven losses. And away opponents averaged up to be eight and eight. So to me, that's that's telling me that the heart is part of our schedule is going to be at home. So if we can take care of business at home, we should at least be able to split on the road. That's the way you want it. Exactly. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's also interesting, man, because if you look at this year's schedule, the strength of schedule right now has us at uh I wanna say I just had it pulled up. I wanna say we're like third in strength of schedule. Well we got like the third hardest schedule or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um twenty sixteen we also had one of the hardest strength of schedule. Yeah, I was about to say, didn't we have the hardest schedule when we, the year we went to the Super Bowl? We had the hardest yeah. schedule. Yeah, I think it was either the hardest or like number two or number three or something we, like we that. Was number, we was number two. The, the 49ers had this uh, the hardest uh, schedule. Yeah, was it? I believe so. But it's very, very similar um, in terms of the scheduling. So that's also something very important to note. If I could interject here, gentlemen. Uh, I think more like a player on the team would think, man, like the games are what they are. You know, the people you got to play is the people you got to play. So go out there and play them, man. Who cares? Yeah. At the end of the day, I, you're I right. I, yeah. I, I, don't care. I don't care about numbers. You know, you got to line up and play them. So what do they say? You know, all the cliches, you know, anytime, anybody in the world. So run it. I'm ready. I wish it was September right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's 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 go ahead and do it, Brandon. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Who you oh, want yeah. at 14? Woo! See what you did there. Now you 
You done laid in a little too <laughs> Oh, yeah, I put the heat right on you. I come right yeah, with the heat. It's cool. It's cool, man. But I'm, I don't have a simple answer for you, man. Go ahead. If you, if, you put a gun to my, if you put a gun to my head and make me take a player, that's different. But for me, I've been on Twitter for about a month now, and I've been really beating that trade-back drum, man. Okay. I want to see us because in my thought process for that is, man, you got the 14th pick, right? Mm-hmm. So that's top half of the draft, man. We, we we do have the luxury of being a team that is drafting towards the top of the draft that doesn't need to be, if you understand what I'm saying. We had a setback last year. We're a better team than the results should have been. So mm-hmm. what I would say, we just need line of scrimmage players, man. D-line, O-line. So for me, I look at a situation like last year, man. The Saints gave Green Bay first first round pick to move up from 27 to 14. And I just feel like we could do the same or trade with some of these other teams I have on the board here. I know you don't got time to discuss it all, but, uh, you know, acquire something and still get a player that you need. If you understand, if you follow, follow what I'm Yeah, Brandon, quick, quick question. Get- so if you, if you want us to move back, how far would you, would you feel comfortable moving back? Okay. Well, I got a couple teams, man. The Steelers at 20, let's say they want to move up and take Devin Bush, who they really need. So why don't you – so that's 20. That's six spots back. So why don't you go ahead and give me that early third-round pick you got from the Giants, 52. And if you look at the trade value chart, they really should give you the fourth-round pick as well. But, you know, it's whatever they're willing to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I think I, if we trade back – we will also end up trading trading back up because if we trade uh-huh. back, like are, are you talking about accepting picks or just swapping picks? Because we have nine picks. We, like we're not going to have nine rookies on the team. We're not going to draft nine players, I'll say. Yeah, yeah but you every know. pick ain't going to be a hit. Oh, of course it's not. So, so if, if, that, we, like, if we trade back the team, let's just say Pittsburgh, if we trade back – Pittsburgh is going to give us some picks. Okay, so now we're going to have like 10 picks. So if we had 10 picks, I see us packaging something to move back up because, like I said, we're not going to pick 10 players. I don't see us want to get 10 rookies on the team, you know? It's not out of the question. Yeah, I feel you. No, I mean, I, you know what I'm saying. I don't, I don't, I don't think what you're saying is out of the question as well. I just think if we do end up trading back at some point later in the round, we're going to end up trading back up because, like I said, I just don't see. Us wanting to add ten rookies to the team. Brandon, Brandon has a good point though, and this is what I told Pat and uh, everybody else in the Discord. Um, I'm gonna put the Discord in the um, in the description of the video once the video um, get posted. If y'all want to join, y'all more than welcome to join. It's um, you know, it's me, Lieutenant Dan, um, Pat Man, he in there, Matt Mike Sports, also my co-host Coach um, in there as well. Um, I talked about this earlier today. What if we trade our 14th pick and trade down or trade back? And like like you just said, Brandon, 20, 20th pick, and we get somebody like Zach Allen, which we really need. And Zach Allen, he will he will pretty much be our strong side defensive end, and he'll, you know, he'll help us in our run game. All right. We get him, we get a player like Zach Allen, okay. Now with that, when we trade back, not only we take we took that we took still the 20th pick or whoever that's in the 20s, we'll also take that second round pick and we'll take like a fourth round pick or something or a third round pick. 
And what we'll do in the second round, I guess, we'll try to move up. We'll move up. And if Destin Lawrence hasn't been taken, we'll take Destin Lawrence in the second, early in the second round. That's what I would do. If I was Thomas Dimitrov, I would do something similar to that. Yeah, the problem with that, though, is Zach Allen's not a first-round draft prospect. I don't I think agree. No, I wouldn't say that. No, I don't I, think I highly agree. disagree with you on that. He really wasn't that good at Boston College. He was okay, the, but the, he was. The film, have you seen, have you, have you actually seen the film on Zach Allen? Yeah, I mean, I've watched, I've watched yeah. enough of him at Boston College. So, kind of what, what, so if you've seen the film and you've actually analyzed that film, what makes you think that he's not a first-round talent? I mean, I don't think that he's a guy that can consistently bend the edge as an edge rusher. I think he's more of a – I think he's probably going to have to move inside in the NFL. I think he's better against the run than he is against the pass. And at 280 pounds, I have a hard time taking a first-round – spending a first-round pick on that guy, particularly when he's not even that strong given his size. I, I mean, he's a, he's a decent player. Don't get me wrong, but – I don't see a Pro Bowl caliber player you're getting in Zach Allen. So you want I, so so you want shiny you want shiny nickels. No, I just want caliber you know caliber talent. You know, if you're going to spend a first round pick on somebody, I think that, that needs to be a player that can potentially be with your franchise for the next ten years. I don't. That's see. that's Zach Allen. <laughs> Zach Allen. You, that Zach Allen is the type of player that was is probably going to be in the league for at least ten years. Primarily because of his instincts, because he's smart, because he has a whole toolbox already, and he's only 21 years old. So I understand that you're kind of – it sounds like you're kind of concerned with his athleticism a little bit. You don't think he has the natural bend or whatnot to consistently get to the quarterback. Well, I, didn't, I mean, I didn't. he didn't produce that well at Boston College when it comes to pass rush. I looked at his, um, his overall pass rush grade for his college career at, uh, on Pro Football Focus, and he was only like a 69. So that's for me to spend a first round pick on a guy when we need pass rush, that's just not going to get it. It's not going to get it done. I, I do agree. I'm somewhere in the middle on, on the two of you. I like Zach Allen, but I like him in the second round. Um, just like what you said, Pat, man, about how he kind of seemed to me lack a little bit of athleticism and it's going to take some time to get that pass rush and upside developed, if you ask me. But he was just I'm, on the I'm not ground a, a lot. When he when when he was on the field, like he was being pancaked, he was being pushed around a lot. He made plays, but he just ended up on the ground a lot. In my evaluation, good player, but second second round for me. But if you guys want to move on, agree, disagree, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I, like I, I don't. I think you guys are focusing too much on the passage aspect of, of football, and that's the issue that this team has had is. We consistently wanted athletes. We consistently wanted pass rushers. But as we've seen, you need some type of balance with your team. And right now the Falcons are too top-heavy when it comes to athletes. And they need guys like Zach Allen. And that's the thing that separates Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov from a lot of other organizations is they don't think with that same philosophy that what you guys are saying. Dan Quinn wants to put somebody on this team that's going to make guys around him better. And Zach Allen is a guy that if you can, he's going to come in day one starter. But the thing that's going to make him so good is his athletic, it's not his athleticism, but his instincts, his ability to recognize plays and his ability to make the other guys do, do a lot of the, the dirty work 
that you don't necessarily want from an undersized linebacking court. So what did you do? And you have different, and, and, and you got to realize your defensive line. You have different packages. You have base and you have nickel. Your base defense and your defensive ends they have to be that ten to one. They need to be a little bigger, and also on top of that, they have to have great instinct. So if you're trying to put a pass rusher that's like two hundred to forty pounds, two hundred between two hundred forty two hundred sixty pounds in base. You really think he's going to win? Well, I don't think that there's a. I, honestly, no, we've seen I, it. <laughs> I think the edge. I think the edge rushes in this class are a little overrated. To be honest with you, I think where the talent is is on the interior defensive line. So we're talking about like the edge defenders like um, Brian Burns and 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 Rashad Gary, Rashad Gary and Sweat. I think those guys are good players, but I don't think those are guys that you're going to plug and play year one and you know, have them start every game for you. I think those are situational guys in their first couple of years, and then they kind of uh, develop as they go. I think outside of Nick Bosa and probably uh, Josh Allen, everybody else is a question mark. So, therefore, if everybody else is a question mark, all right, because everybody, look, outside, yeah, outside of Nick Bosa and uh, Quentin, hey, I'd say Quentin Williams, and Josh Allen, like those, those are players that we know week one they they're gonna have an impact on their team. Now everybody else, you know, are pretty much developmental players. Now it all depends on the timing will it will take for them to you know get up to NFL speed. Now I've been you know on here and I've been saying for a while before we had all these signings before we got Davidson and stuff. I was a uh, I was real high on. Um, on Christian Wilkins and Desta Lawrence at 14. A lot of people, you know, looked at me crazy and thinking I was smoking something and saying, well, why do we get this person? Why you why you don't like Ed Oliver? It's all you guys gotta understand. It's what we need right now. Okay. We have we have the pass rushers already on the team. We have Grady Jerry. We have Vic Beasley. We have Tap McKillen. We need somebody that can plug in in the line and do the dirty work that could take that would command double teams. Destin Lawrence, he will command doubles. Same thing with uh, Christian Wilkins. And but and on top of that, they're very smart. They have a high football IQ. Same goes with Zach Gallagher. We have the athletes on the team. We just need size and we just need smarts. That's the only thing. That's what I was saying with Zach Allen is he's been getting a lot of first-round buzz. Like, people are saying he's not going to get past the Patriots. And I mean that the pim to the Patriots makes a ton of sense because again, man, they just lost Trey Flowers to free agency. They allowed Claiborne to come back here. They traded for Michael Bennett. But again, Michael Bennett is getting up there in age, so they're gonna need another guy. Um I think Zach Allen offers you a lot of versatility as well, man, in that he can play in pretty much any kind of front. Um, you could put him out there as a three four defensive end. He could give you could excuse me, he could play 43 in. Uh you could put him at three tech in the nickel. Um, you know, again, man, he kind of checks so many boxes. There's a reason why Dan Quinn, Scott Piole, and Thomas Dimitrov all went up there um to work out him and Chris Lindstrom, man. Um, and if you know the history behind Scott Piole, he had he's known when he was in Kansas City for <laughs> drafting Pro Bowl. Defense alignment, man. Don Terry Poe, Justin Houston. So, 
if they see something and they know they're probably not going to get him in the second round, they could trade back in the first round. You know, that's also another scenario, but I don't think that you're going to be able to get him necessarily in the second round. Fair point. Let me read with um, um, our boy um, Skills. He pretty much, oh, yeah, R- RB Blackshear. What's good, man? Um, Juke Juke, he also said uh, Sweat was the best uh, run defender according to uh, Pro Football Focus. And um, Skills pretty much said, and, um, I'm pretty sure you're thinking of, are you talking about Skills? Are you talking about Sweat or are you talking about Allen? About the um, pass uh, rush uh, win percentage. Just get back with me with that, and I um and I spit it out for you. All right. So in the meantime, like, who do y'all think should go fourteen, or should we trade up, or should we trade back? Because I'm pretty much the only one that said that. I don't. I said a player already, so I'm waiting on y'all. I I, I like I said. I think we're gonna uh, pick at fourteen because. Like I say, we have we have a ton of picks. So if anything, I think we'd be doing some moving up. Um, with the recent moves now, uh, I'm I'm you know, I'm I'm thinking maybe uh, somebody to fill in that right tackle spot, and then seeing uh, possibly uh, a guy like Dexter Lawrence in the second round or moving up to take the next best D lineman that's left there. So uh I guess that's my that's my thinking right now. Of course it might change over the next week, but right, you know, tonight that's that's my thinking. O lineman and then trying to trade back up to, you know, to take the next best interior lineman. What's good, Lieutenant Dan? Lieutenant Dan joined the tech. Um oh boy. Skills. Yeah. Skills, uh, he said um, he t- we were talking about Allen. So he pretty much said Allen has a um, a twenty seven percent pass rush win percentage, but I think he said seventeen though. RB Blackshear, he said, has has anyone looked at the uh, the angle of who we are going to let walk in the next year or two? He said, I said this because the first round pick will have the fifth year option. If we are looking long term, I think that. And Skill said Allen was second in the ACC and 17% overall win for his on pass rush. So do you, let me ask you guys this then. Do you think Zach Allen was a better player in the ACC than, um, than, than uh, Brian Burns? In what capacity? You're talking about as far as just rushing the passer, eh, Brian Burns. But if you're talking about overall – you know, run defense, pass rush. They, yeah, they, they, they play. It's, it's not really because Brian Burns will stand up and rush the passer. You know, uh, uh, Zach Allen mainly played with his hand in there a lot, right? Yeah, I'm just saying that. I just looked yeah. at them as prospects, not necessarily what they are today. Oh, okay. So, okay. I mean, you got to think that Brian Burns right now today is only 20 years old. Yeah. And I'm not saying that like Brian Burns is my guy, like the, my pick. I'm just saying like just comparing them. I, um, I I look at upside and it's just I, like I personally don't want 
uh, a speed rush guy like that because I understand stocking for the future. But like I'm, I'm kind of with Don on that. We have that, you know. I, I think, I think Big Beasley is that guy. So I don't want to draft. No, no, no. Big no. Beasley again. I, I, I see Burns, you know, and and Sweat coming in and being in that role. Uh, you know, uh, uh, not a wide guy, not a guy who you expect to help you in the run game, but a speed guy off the edge. I, I think Big Beasley. I think we have him already. And not only that, we have, like we said, we have nine picks. So we can always go towards the middle or the end of the draft and draft a project player. Dan, we know Dan Quinn. He he does well with developing defensive linemen. So we can draft someone like uh, a Carl Grandison or John Kamiski in the later rounds and have them ready by next year, or yeah. later on by, or better yet, later on the season. Look how look what we did last year with four year Odukun. He went late in the draft and he outshined Duke Riley. Look at last year. Look at uh, 2017. Demonte Casey, a beast, you know. So, and uh, skills. I know. I know. Sweat can play the run as well. But what I'm talking about is bodies, you know. And we're also talking about he played the run in college. I mean, Sweat, Sweat is not the widest guy. So we're talking about what he did in college. Jay played the run in college. It's big difference when you're facing the NFL offensive tackle uh, every Sunday. Yeah, I, I really wasn't necessarily um, saying that Brian Burns should be our pick. I was just necessarily yeah. making the case for why – or making the argument why would you choose Allen over Burns. I personally feel like – yeah, I, I, I acknowledge that there are concerns about Burns. I feel like him weighing in at the combine at only 249 pounds is a problem. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, he wasn't oh, particularly good against the run uh, either at, at Florida State. But like I said, he's only 20 years old. And at six five, being able to run a, a, a four a four three, uh, a four five three, that's 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 moving, man. And uh, yeah. like you can make the comparison of him and uh, Vic Beasley, like that's like that couldn't be further from the truth. Vic Beasley is a pure speed rusher. Like Brian Burns actually has pass rush moves in his arsenal. He's able to spin. He's able to you know move, uh, work his way inside. He's able to do a lot of things that Vic Beasley couldn't do coming out of Clemson. So. That I just wanted to point that out because it's like Brian, like I'm saying, I'm not. I personally don't. I would, yeah. I wasn't necessarily talking about skill set. I was just talking about position type. You know that that speed edge rusher. I don't see us adding a speed edge rusher in the first two picks, but you know, of course, hey, we don't know what Dan will DQ up, but I don't think it's going to be a speed edge guy. Uh, <laughs> what you what you think, Pat? Um, so the Falcons are, it's pretty interesting, man, because they pretty much set themselves up to pretty much go in any kind of direction, man. Uh, they don't necessarily need a first round guy at right tackle. I mean, if you break down the mm-hmm. all twenty two film from Tyson Braille, and Dan actually broke down every single snap that he had last year. Uh Tyson Braille Played really, really well, man. He actually was one of the few people that held Chandler Jones, who's a top 10 edge rusher in this league, to a, a, a pretty much a zero stat line when we played the Cardinals. Um, so just from looking at that and the fact that, you know, again, man, they, you know, gave him a three-year deal. Um, he's pretty much earned the right to at least prove that he's worthy of being the starter at right tackle. 
Um, and so with that being said, I know the Falcons have been linked to, you know, a, a ton of guys like uh, Titus Howard, um, you know, individuals that they could potentially go after in the second round. Um, you know, there's also a lot of rumors going around that the Falcons are looking at cornerbacks, which I'm not really buying. That doesn't really make any sense to me. Like I say, Dan Quinn is not really known for drafting guys in the first and second round that, you know, are just going to be sitting around waiting for a year or two to come in and start. Man, he normally goes and he gets guys that can contribute immediately in those two rounds. And if you get a cornerback, like, I mean, wh where are you going to play them? Unless you completely saying that you don't believe in Isaiah Oliver as, you know, as potentially taking over the starting cornerback spot opposite of true font. So it doesn't really make a ton of sense. Um, so it's right tackle. Uh, defensive tackle, I mean, I was pretty high on them going defensive tackle in the first round prior to signing a Tyler Davidson. But Tyler Davidson kind of complicates that a little bit. Uh <laughs> Because now you're, you're stuck at a situation where, like, even if, say, Ed Oliver drops to 14 and you pick him, now you're kind of stuck with a, an impossible situation of who you're going to have inactive on game days. Because say you, you draft Ed Oliver, now your defensive tackles are Grady Jarrett, uh, DJ Sinai, Ed Oliver, Jack Crawford, and uh, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Davidson. They got it, yeah. You know, so and the Falcons aren't gonna have five active D tackles on game day. So who is who's not suiting up to play? You're not I gonna not suit up your first round I, pick. I think that they're they're gonna probably in that scenario they probably um have Crawford play a little bit more defensive end. I think that they did that a lot last year too. That he rushed from all over the off uh, the defensive line. So I don't think you can lock him in as a defensive tackle. He's kinda like a player that they move all all over the place. Right, right. Yeah, they do that to with a whole bunch of people. Um, you know, that's just my only issue that I have with, you know, potentially one defensive tackle in the first round, which kind of, to me, kind of screams defensive end. And, I mean, that's pretty much the only spot where you don't necessarily have stability, you know what I'm saying? Outside of Tack, uh, Steven Means, Grady Jarrett, and Claiborne are all on pretty much – one-year deals, I know with BZ is on the fifth-year option, but you, you'd have to give those guys new money next year to bring them all back. So Tack is the only guy that's still going to be here that you don't have to give new money to to bring back. So, um, And then it's the matter of your strong side defensive end. And, again, we don't really have that person. I mean, Steven Means played there a little bit, but he's not a guy that I would consistently ask to play that, that particular spot. I mean, to me, man, he's probably going to uh, take over a lot of what Brooks Reed did as well. Claiborne can't play on the strong side of the formation because it's Urs Palsy. He can only go up against the left tackle. Um, unless, unless the tight end moves over to the left tackle side, and that becomes a strong side. And Tack always rushes off of the, the left tackle. So outside of Beasley, you really don't have anybody that can consistently rush up off the right tackles. Um, so that's also a problem for me. Um, you know, it, it just – it leads to a situation where, to me, whomever the best defensive lineman or offensive lineman is at that pick, I think that's probably where they're going to go. Me personally, um, the draft is weird. 
I can see a scenario where all the defensive ends are flying off the board and the Falcons look at their guys that they have and say, hey, man, you know what? We don't want to lose our guy. So they might, you know, draft Zach Allen a little bit earlier than a lot of people would want. Um, I mean, that happens. I think they did that with Keanu Neal. A lot of people said that he was supposed to go in like the end of the first, top of the second round. They they chose him at what seventeen, um, and I mean it's worked out pretty well. So <clears throat> as long as they don't choose a wide receiver or a running back, I mean I'm pretty much good. I mean cornerback exactly. doesn't make sense. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. I'm with that, Pat. Yeah, for real. Uh, let me read some more stuff off the chat. Uh, Darren Moore was good. He said, "I feel like we should sit at fourteen and see who." There, if our player isn't there, then trade back and get Dexter Lawrence. All right, skill said Zach Allen was second in total stops at AC, in ACC at defensive end. That's yeah, that's great. That's real good. Like, you know, we like we said, we, we, we watch film, we don't watch highlights, we watch film. And you know, you go back and watch the film, the film does a lot. All right, um, our skills also said Sweat is a um, run defender. And Juju, he said, "Sweet, uh, sweat is like clowny." Hmm. He is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I can see, I can see the relation. He's um, not as good as clowny, but that's a good comparison. Yeah, and more. He also said, "What do you all think about John Kaminsky from um, Charleston?" He said he can play four three in, uh, four three, um, D tackle and uh, three four in. Y'all thoughts on that? What he just said? I'm not. Familiar. Who did he say? John Kamiski. I brought up John Kamiski. Um, that that's when I did my mocks. I had um John Kamiski going in like the sixth or seventh round, at um from University of Charleston. He's a he's a, he's more he's a project player. He's not mm-hmm. going to really like see the field that much. Like not even the first nine games. So he'd probably give him some snaps. Probably later on in in the uh, in the season. I mean, this, man, man, that possibility. Um, I mean, one thing to also note about Quinn. I, f- I forget which one of you gentlemen said it, but Quinn's way of Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov relationship wise, their way of drafting is different. Um, they don't really. You know, I know a lot of teams will, once they get to, like, day three, you know, especially, like, the sixth and the seventh round, they'll just kind of point on guys and say, hey, man, you know, this guy makes the roster, he does it. I mean, if you notice, they don't really do that. Um, Everybody that they draft, they draft specifically for a role. Exactly. Um, I mean, that's why it's they've had so much success drafting. So they don't necessarily just punt on draft picks. Like if they draft somebody in, in the seventh round, they're drafting them to fill a, sp- a certain spot, a certain position, a certain role. You know that's why they've had they've had so much success with guys like uh, Foye Olakun, who was what a sixth round pick. You know he came in and because they knew that he was able to make that transition from safety in college to playing weak side linebacker. So, I mean, if they don't necessarily deed those guys, then I don't think they're they're not gonna draft them. And even still, I mean, 
a lot of these guys they brought in, man, a lot of these safeties and guys like Kenyon Bonner, by no means are those guys guaranteed to make the roster anyways. Those are just kind of like uh, backup plans in case things don't work out. That's why I said earlier at the top of the show, they're doing the opposite with it of what they've done in the past where they've gone through the draft and then pretty much filled in the gaps with creators on the back end. They've done the opposite of that this year and brought in those guys already. And then after the draft and let everybody compete and whatnot. So they can still draft a running back. They can still draft a tight end. <clears throat> um, you know, if those pieces fall to them in certain rounds, they can definitely still draft them and, you know, easily, you know, cut the guys that they just signed. A lot of these guys, especially these cheap one-year deal contracts that a lot of these guys got. All right. Also, Skill said uh, he said Joe Jackson uh, is better than uh, Brian Burns. <laughs> and uh, Darren Moore he said DQ and TD always do the unexpected in the draft. And he also said I, I he said he also said I think Dave Long, uh, the cornerback from Michigan, could be a nice prospect for us in the uh, third round. Uh, I'm a Michigan fan, and I watched a lot of Michigan. You know, watching and even going back watching the film on them, I'm not really high on uh, Michigan DBs. Like their their D line pretty much anchored their defense. That's just my opinion. But hey. and if you got a strong D line, you should have some uh good good DB pay, good DB play. Yeah. So um, hey um Reynolds um uh, Brandon, who you think? Falcons pick. I said, who you, who you think who you think uh, the Falcons should pick? All right, my last little thing on the first round pick, man. Scratch everything I just said, because what you know is Demetrius ain't gonna trade back anyway. Uh, and I'm not trying to <laughs> trade up. Period. I'm not trying to go for Ed Oliver. Uh, scratch that. We can. So now, so now, so now we all, now, now now we pretty much killed the Ed Oliver uh, talk now. Yeah, man, okay. go ahead and throw that in the <laughs> It's over with. He, he's not going to be there. And I'm not trying to lose picks, man, for a project. So scratch all a that. project? So it's three players, man, I got. But, yeah, he's a project, man. You know what it is. Um, so if at 14, if we go ahead and uh, if we take Wilkins or Lawrence, I'm not going to be mad at all. If we end up with uh, Sweat, I'm cool with that. But let me hit you with something else, man, something nobody. I haven't heard this take from nobody. Scratch what I just said earlier. Forget about that. I know what I said. So why don't we pull the Dallas Cowboys, man, what they did last year? Everybody thought they was going wide receiver. What'd they do? They took a athletic sideline-to-sideline tackling machine linebacker, and they improved their defense tremendously. I say we used our 14th overall pick. Just go ahead and get Devin Bush, man. Why not? Let him play that. Let him play that Aluakin role. I mean, do you guys have any faith in Riley and, and Aluakin? Not much. Not me. Go ahead and plug Bush in, man. He's a beast. He's a beast in coverage. He blitzes, even though we never blitz. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and put him out there, man. I, I don't see nothing wrong with that. His dad, we drafted his dad in 95. I know that ain't got nothing to do with uh, <laughs> a nice little kid bit. So I'm saying, man, let's go ahead and draft Bush. Why not? 
Yeah, I, I like, you know, like I, I said this before too, like that was Bush's like my, I, I put out like five or six potential picks that we can pick at 14. I think I um, put it out there like what, five days ago. And Bush was like either number four or five on that list. So I wouldn't mind, you know, if they go linebacker, you know, I wouldn't mind because you got to think about like, like this here too. Campbell, he's on his last year's deal. And I don't really, I don't see him coming back because if we come back, we got to pay him a little bit more money. With money we don't have, so and he's an average he's, player. He's, he's not an irreplaceable player, man. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's average. Play irreplaceable player. Yeah. Yeah. Me, can I ask yeah. a question? Um, Which is uh, he's my he's my dark horse first round pick. Can, can I ask a question? Are we talking about who we think the Falcons will pick or who we want them to pick? Because I got two different answers. All right, tell me, tell us. Well, who I want them to pick? I want them to trade up to eight and get Ed Oliver. I personally feel like Ed Oliver is a generational talent. Um, that's what I want to happen. I feel like um, I don't know what necessarily if that is going to happen, but I've seen certain scenarios where they could get up to eight and only give up their third round pick and a fourth next year. And I feel like if that is the price tag to do it, I think you pull the trigger without even hesitating. Because I think Ed Oliver is that good, especially if you put him next to Grady Jarrett, I think that you have one of the best interior defensive lines in football. Um, the game's one in the trenches. That's 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 just how I view it. So that's what I want them to do. Um, I don't necessarily – I'm not necessarily positive that that's what's going to happen, though. Let me, let me, so. let me, stop, you, let me stop you right there. I'm, I'm going to let you get back in a second. So you're willing to trade up to lose picks for next year, and I want you to look at something, too. We have a lot of players this year on one-year deals. Mm-hmm. And money that we really don't have, because the cap, right? Cap, it doesn't look good this year, and it's not going to look any better next year. So I, in my opinion, I would try not to give up any picks for next year draft. That's just my opinion. Yeah, but I think that if you're trading a fourth, you're not necessarily harming yourself. I don't think it's a tremendous loss, I, you know. Obviously, you want to keep all your draft picks. You don't want to give up anything. But I think giving up a fourth is reasonable considering the talent that you're acquiring in Ed Oliver. And that's all about talent for me. Like, it, you want to get as the most talented roster that you can. And however you can do that, you do that. So Ed Oliver was just such a dominant force at Houston. And given his athleticism, if you can get him, I feel like you have to get him. Like I said, I'm not necessarily saying that that's what they're going to do. That's what I want them to do. So if they ended up staying at 14, though, um, I feel like I think Pat said it. I, I, I agree with him. Like they have set themselves up to where they can go in so many different ways. Um, I think that they can go uh, defensive end. They can go offensive tackle. They can go defensive tackle. I think a dark horse is linebacker and corner. Um, I know Falcon fans may not necessarily want to hear corner, but I think that a dark horse would be Grady Williams. Um, I think that if the board falls a particular way, I think it can be a similar scenario to um, Ridley last year because I don't think Ridley was even in the top three in regards to the guys that they wanted, but how the draft fell it ended up being the pick because it was just you have to take that talent at that at that spot. So I think you could see a similar scenario in Greedy Williams, but um, 
If you ask me, I think that they probably take an offensive tackle if they stay at 14. I think who, probably, who would the offensive tackle be? I think you're probably looking at one of either uh, – I think Jonah Williams is probably already going to be off the board. I think you're probably looking at either Andre Diller or Cody Cody Ford. You're probably – because they really like Cody Ford. So, And I can, I, can, I can see why he didn't – when it comes to, like, pressures, quarterback hits, sacks, um, he moved all over the line at, at Oklahoma. But when he was at right tackle, he did really well in regards to protecting the quarterback. And uh, at 329 pounds, that's huge. And you've seen the, t- the type of the size that they've added on the offensive line this offseason and in the, in the, in the guards that they've acquired. So I think those are, those are probably the two tackles that you're looking at. If they go corner, Greedy Williams. If they go linebacker, they're looking at Bush probably. It's probably the option I'll look at. But I personally feel like they need to um, they need to come out of this draft with one, one of four uh, defensive tackles. Because like I said before, I think that's where – the uh, the talent is in this draft. We're talking about Quentin Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Ed Oliver, Jeffrey Simmons. Those guys, I feel like, are all perennial pro bowlers. And if you can get one of those guys out of this draft, I think you do it. So, personally, that's why I, I would try to get one of those guys in the first. I don't like Christian William, Wilkins. I think that he's a first-round pick. He's not a top-15 pick. I don't think that you spend a top-15 pick on a guy that's going to be a 24-year-old your old rookie. So you got to think about it like we were talking about earlier, guys uh, exercising their fifth-year option on your first-round pick. He's going to be 29 by the time you do that. I don't see that happening. So I think you try to get one of those four defenses. Obviously, Quentin Williams is going to be already gone. Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence, Ed Oliver, you try to get one of those guys if it's me. Okay. Um, let me go back in the chat real quick. Um, RB Black, she said, I think that uh, that can be an option. We have a lot of D tackles right now, some that haven't seen much playing time. If we get Lawrence, then we would definitely have to cut ties with some of the guys like Zimmer. Like Zimmer, I, I think he's on a practice squad right now. So, yeah, you have to go. Um, Skills pretty much said Ed Oliver. What about Ed Oliver? Um, Last year, he said that's that's what I'm saying. He said, extend Debo, then you will have Bush with the uh, fifth-year option. So they'll be playing playing for a long time time together, which, you know, Bush and and Debo, yeah, that would be a great – yeah, that would be great. Juju, he said, I would rather uh, choose Brian Burns than Ed Oliver. Skills laughed at that. Uh, Moore, he said Devin Bush would be a great, uh, I guess, Will linebacker, and I actually can see us drafting him because they already uh, tried to do that with uh, with Riley a couple of years ago, and, and it just didn't work out. Um, Skills, ask him about uh, the Arizona and Boise State tape. Trying to figure out what player he's talking about. Um, hey, uh, skills. What about Arizona Boys State team? Oh, he's somebody. Uh, that was Ed Oliver. Ed, yeah, yeah, that was that yeah. was Ed Oliver. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I will right. say this though. Uh, <clears throat> with Devin Bush, man, the the interesting thing is going to be that. 
right now the Falcons have six linebackers, and they generally only carry six linebackers on a fifty-three man roster. So now you gotta you gotta try to pick and choose who you're gonna cut. I don't think Dan Coin is gonna give up on Duke Riley uh, simply because first of all they spent a third round pick on him, and that was a, it was a third. You sure? Yeah, it was third. Okay. Um, and then he's just entering year three. Uh, obviously last year he was put in a situation where he never should have been called in the defense. Uh, you know, but hey, man, those types of things happen because of injuries and whatnot. I don't think Dan Quinn is going to give up on him. So I, I think it's pretty safe to say that we know Deion Jones is safe. Campbell, I don't think they're going to do anything with him. Duke Riley's pretty much safe in my book. Ola Kuhn, he showed enough last year, kind of tim- similar to Tyson Braille, that I think he deserves at least a chance to compete for the the, the starting weak side linebacker role next to Deion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, they brought back Kamal Ishmael and both Bruce Carter. Now, both of those guys are primarily special teams guys. Mm-hmm. So, in theory, if they did decide to go Bush, they could cut one of those guys, preferably Bruce Carter. Um, just because Kamal Ishmael, I like him a little bit more. Plus, he's the GOAT. Man, he's, what, the longest tenure Falcon outside of mm-hmm. uh, Matt Ryan? Matt, yeah. Um, so, I mean, you got to keep him. So, I mean, in that scenario, they could take Devin Bush and uh, just move on from Bruce Carter and just roll with uh, those other guys that I said. Um, as far as the whole Ed Oliver thing, and I put this on Twitter, uh, I think Ed Oliver is a – I think he's an outstanding prospect. Uh, my only issue is I wouldn't – I see a lot of people want to put him and, and Grady Jarrett next to each other, which is fine if you're rushing a quarterback. But uh, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily want to make a habit of making it an airy down thing year one. You know, if you if you do get yourself for Ed Oliver, I want that man rushing the quarterback as much as possible. I don't want him worrying about the run. And that's why when we signed Tyler Davidson – it kind of made me a little bit more comfortable potentially with him if yeah. they do decide to go that way because now he can come in and just concentrate on doing what he does best, which is just rush the quarterback. Now you don't have to worry about playing him on early downs. Then he's also a guy that he'll have a whole season to learn and get stronger, and then next year, depending upon what his role is going to be, he can maybe get a little mm-hmm. bit bigger, maybe get a little bit stronger, and – then his role could expand. Maybe he becomes another all, every down guy. But just because he can do it, because he's not a bad run defender, but just because he can do it, that's not something that I necessarily want him to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Well, you know, like I said, you know, in the beginning of the video, we're going to probably agree to disagree because we can sit up here for hours and talk about this player and that player. But you know what? You know, the draft is pretty much next Thursday. And we all go see. And we just, you know, we're going to come back to this video. And pretty much, but next Thursday after the draft is over with, and just say, hey, you know, I was wrong or, hey, I was right. So, but other than that, you know, uh, y'all go ahead and plug y'all information, uh, y'all social media accounts. Started with you, uh, Brandon. I'm only on Twitter, man. I, I just got on there, so uh, still learning my way around. But you can find <laughs> me at, at Pigskin Junkie. That's Pigskin Junkie, J-U-N-K-I-E, 91. Hit me up. 
or don't. Don't matter to me. <laughs> uh, Gary? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, man. I'm at HailGaryATL. That's H-A-I-L, Gary A-T-L, man. But if you want to talk Falcons, talk anything, really, you can just hit me up there. All right. And uh, Pat? All right, man. You can find me at the real Pat Man on Twitter, man. I'm always on there posting some type of numbers, some type of stat. Um, spend a lot of time on Football Outsiders and PFF looking at advanced premium statistics and data. So if you ever want to know anything, man, I can tell you, you know, what Matt Ryan ate for lunch his rookie year <laughs> at Boston College. Uh, just let me know, man. I'll do the research for you. All right. And everybody who joined us in the chat, uh, thank y'all for uh, tuning in live. We really appreciate it. And everybody who's going to watch this video, I guess tomorrow morning, I guess driving, drinking coffee or whatever, um, you know, please comment about uh, what you heard in the video. We'll get back with you uh, as soon as we can. Um, please uh, share it with your friends, family, whoever, significant other. And please hit that like button and please subscribe to our channel. All right. And uh, this is the Fila Sports Podcast. We will be back Sunday talking about some Atlanta United uh, soccer. And then next week, we'll be covering the draft all three days. So um, please join us um, next week. We got a busy week. And if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. As always, come holler. Come holler. At your hometown. Sports podcast. We out, y'all. Y'all have a great evening.